Hallelujah. Good morning. It is wonderful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen. You know, years ago, I used to be an over-the-road truck driver. And in California, there's a lot of mountains. And there's this one mountain that you go down, and that there you got to prepare to go down it. you got to pull off, and you got to set your brakes and adjust your brakes before you go down the mountain. That, that's the law they got out there. You know, it's just like in, in praise and worship. We have to prepare ourselves. You know, in, in, in Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, report. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You know, when we start meditating on the things of God, it puts us in that motion into praise and the worship. And that brings down the Lord. And, and He can do mighty things. Are you guys ready for that today? I am. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Father God, we invite you here today, Lord God. Lord, as we meditate on you and think about you, Lord God. Lord, have your way today in this place, Father God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
surrender all to you tonight we surrender all to you we surrender our plans for the day we surrender our thoughts we give it all to you so that you can speak to us here today that you can minister to our hearts and move us to another level so that, Father God, we can experience all your goodness and all your grace. Father God, today, move in this place like never before.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. At this time, I will ask our ushers, if they will, to prepare themselves in their giving um, so that way we can give unto the Lord. I want to, as we're getting ready to give, I want to look at a particular scripture that's found in Deuteronomy 16. And I want to begin reading with verse number 15. It says, Seven days you shall keep the solemn feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord shall choose. Because. I see, God here in, in, in this chapter is giving instructions about the feast. The feasts were important times in the yearly calendar of the children of Israel. They marked holidays and seasons. And so they were very important. God has given them instructions. And then he says this, he says, because. He says, I want you to observe these feasts because here's something I'm going to do for you. Because. This is why I want you to observe the feast. Because. This is, this is the result of what's going to happen to you when you observe the feast. Because. Because the Lord your God shall, somebody say shall, not possibly, not if he desires to, but he shall. The Lord your God shall bless you. Somebody say amen. amen. The Lord your God shall bless you, but bless me how? Bless me in what way? Bless me in what manner, in what stream of, of, of purpose, of focus. And he says, because the Lord your God shall bless you in all your increase. Somebody needs to be shouting amen right there. The Lord your God shall bless you in all your increase. And in all, somebody say all, in all the works of of your hands. <laughs> Therefore, thou shalt surely rejoice. <laughs> you see, this is something to have joy over. God says, when you celebrate my feast, when you celebrate unto me, I am going to bless your increase. Hallelujah. Somebody get ready for an increase. I'm going to bless all the works of your hands. Everything that you set your hands to do, God's going to bless. 
God's going to bless your jobs. I'm, I'm, I'm prophesying to somebody right here. God's about ready to bring forth an increase in your job place. God's about ready to bring forth a blessing in the work of your hands, and you're going to about to see that everything you put your hand to while you're at work is about to bring forth an abundance that people are going to begin to say over you, wow, I need you to come over. Wow, I need you more. I'm going to, I'm going to need to promote you. I'm going to need to increase you. Why? Because I can see that God is blessing the works of your hands. Hallelujah. And then God says this in verse 16. He says, so three times a year. I see, we all want the blessings of God, but sometimes we don't like to know what God says to do for the blessing. God says, this is what I want you to do. You ready? Three times a year. Three times. Let me say three. Shall all of your mayors appear before the Lord your God in the place which he shall choose? I can't bother to let you know God has chosen this place. Redemption place has been chosen. God has chosen this house. Hallelujah. This is the house of the Lord thy God. This is the place where we take off our shoes for its holy ground. This is the place that has been sanctified. Mekodeshu. This is the place that has been sanctified as holy unto the Lord God. He has chosen this place. Now look at what he says. He says, In the place in which he should choose in the feast of the unleavened bread, that's number one, which is the feast of Passover, in the Feast of the Weeks, which we now call the Feast of Pentecost, and in the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty, but every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. Hallelujah. Every man and woman should give to the Lord as they are able. Praise God. You see, God always has a way in which to further his kingdom. And that way is through you. Let me say that again. How many of you want to be used by God? And God says, I have a way to further the kingdom, and I'm going to use you. I'm going to bless your increase. I'm going to bless your giving. I'm going to bless the works of your hands, all for the reason and purpose that you can then give the extra to the kingdom of God. So three times a year. Right now, today, we're going to take up our tithes and offerings. But I want you to know the Feast of Tabernacles is coming soon. The Feast of Tabernacles is coming soon. I want you to prepare your hearts and minds. Even as you give the day of your tithes and offerings, say, you know what, God? 
how much you have blessed me during this whole season, how much you have blessed me during this whole uh, uh, time of, uh, of turmoil in our country, time of turmoil around the world, and yet, God, you have kept me, you have preserved me, you have saved me, you have, have brought me even now to this time where I can celebrate the tabernacles. I can celebrate you tabernacling among me. I can celebrate your presence all over me. So God, this season, I'm going to give the extra. Come on, somebody. Let's pray over our tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give to you right now of our tithes and offerings. And Father God, I pray as we begin to draw upon and think upon how we can, how we can bless you in even a greater way. Father God, I pray that you give to our mind, uh, to every single one here, Father God, what you would have them to give, what you would have them to do, so that, Father God, your kingdom may be further established in a mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone say, amen and amen. God bless you as you give to the Lord today. I'm going to ask our children if they will at this time. They may be dismissed to Children's Church. And we're going to go ahead and open up to the book of Romans. Romans <clears throat> chapter number 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter number 5. Hallelujah. I fear the presence of the Lord in this place. Can somebody say amen? Can everyone hear me okay? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're going to receive of the word of God here this morning. Can we just pray over the message? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I ask you now that you will speak through the lips of your servant. That Father God... Only your message will be spoken here today. Father God, let it touch us. Let it, let it move us. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Romans chapter 5. He says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Somebody say, into this grace. See, we have access into grace. We have access by faith into a grace, but a grace what? <clears throat> See, I want, I, want, I want to speak today on a grace covering. On a grace covering. God wants to cover you with his grace. Somebody needs to say amen. But how can we, how can we enter into, how can we move into from where we are, how can we move into the grace covering? How can we move into that position where we begin to stand under the covering of God's grace? See, the Bible says by Grace, we can stand. The Bible also tells us that he supplies all of our needs according to what? His grace. 
So by grace we stand, meaning that we're not going to fall or be pushed around by the enemy. And by grace we receive the riches of Christ Jesus. By grace we receive our provisions. So can I say to you today, we are in need of God's grace. We are a people in need of the grace of Jesus Christ. But there is a, a, a place where the grace of Christ is, where the place of where the grace of Jesus Christ dwells. And God here is saying through Paul in Romans 5, he's saying that you have access to that dwelling place where God's grace is, where God's grace dwells. You have access to that place by faith. Are you with me? So by faith, we can, we can have the key and, and, and the ability to come underneath the covering of God's grace. But now, how do we find that covering? How do we know where the covering is in order to, by faith, come underneath this grace covering? Let's continue reading. He says, By whom you have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works patience, patience experience, and experience hope. And hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. For when we were yet sinners and without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a right for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some may even dare to die, but God, somebody say, but God, commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall, somebody say shall, be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So we have a grace covering. There is a grace covering that God says, I have here for you. We have, to, we have access to that grace covering by faith. We have access to get there by faith. But now, how does the covering come? How, we, we have access to the covering. We have access to receive the covering of God's grace. We have access to stand underneath the covering of God's grace. But how do we receive the covering? By faith, we have, we have the ability to, to have it. But how do we get it? 
How do we receive it? How does it come to us? You know, I'm preaching today because I'm finding in the world that we're living in a society that has become overwhelmed with judgment. A society that has become overwhelmed with judging. We find this very much in the political circles of our nation and even across the world. Judging somebody for what they say. Judging in very negative tones all the different facets of economy and business, and direction of life and direction of the nation. We find judging to be a part of the political scene in both Washington, D.C., as well as even within our own local and statewide governments. We find that the media has become a, a great source of judgment, where they judge other media personalities. They judge celebrities. They judge people. And many of you are saying right here, well, well that's, that's in the secular world, Pastor. We, we don't do that there in the, in the Christian world. We don't do that here in the church world. But yet I find even so much so that has just recently a great man of God fell from grace and immediately pastors and churches all around have begun to judge the man of God. We began to judge this man who led Christian universities and who has led Christian churches and who has led past uh, presidential prayer groups. And, and we judge the man now because of a slight fall from grace. Well, Pastor, that's, that's only the Christian church to those who have become. Spiritual celebrities. We don't do that, though, in the local church. And yet my counseling phone goes off all the time because somebody has been judged or grudged by another. And yet, sometimes we even sit. And as we sit... We say, how come sister so-and-so has to have her hair so tall I can't see the preacher? I just don't understand why pastor doesn't wear a tie. He should always be wearing a tie. That's very ungodly for the pastor not to wear a tie. Doesn't the pastor understand? He, he's supposed to represent spiritualism. How could you be spiritual without wearing a tie? I just don't know if I like this pastor anymore. He doesn't wear a tie. Don't know if I can come to church anymore without the tie being on the pastor. 
You see, judgment has began in the church. Judgment has began. In fact, does not the Bible even say that judgment begins in the house of God? Both good judgment and bad judgment. But yet we read in the book of Romans chapter 8 where he says, Therefore there is now no condemnation to them who are called and in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's no condemnation. There's no, the Bible even goes on to say that judgment is mine, saith the Lord. The Bible even goes on to say, judge not, lest you be judged. But yet that does not stop us from interjecting our judgments upon others. But yet, I came by to say unto you and to everyone watching, I thank God that while I was yet a sinner, while I was yet worthy of judgment, while I was yet worthy to be condemned, while I was yet worthy to be spoken down of and said, yeah, but look at what you did here. Look at what you did there. You're not very holy over here. You haven't, you haven't quite done the right thing over there. You, you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Over there. You are worthy to be judged, but yet I thank my God that even while I was yet a sinner, while I was yet separated from Jesus Christ, while I was yet unworthy to be a son or a daughter of my Lord. Jesus did not judge me, but he sent his son to die for me. He said, I know you ain't worthy, but my son, Jesus, is worthy. I'm going to have him pay the price for your unworthiness. I'm going to have him die for you. Because I'm not going to judge you. I I'm going to allow the word to judge my son. But to you, my son, my, I love you. But God commendeth his love toward us. Isn't that why we were yet sinners? Christ died for us. The covering, the covering of grace. How can we access, how can we receive this covering of the grace of God? There's a great story found in the Bible. It's found in Genesis chapter 9. And in this great and wonderful story, we find a man who the Bible says was righteous. The Bible calls him a very righteous man. In fact, this man was a man who was so righteous for God that when God said, you know what, the world has become so evil, 
and the world has become so filled with wickedness and idolatry and, and, and sexualism, and this world has become so overwhelmed with sin, I'm, I'm going to destroy the whole entire, I, I just, I, I can't stand it no more. I had to destroy everything. I, 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 created the, I created these people, I created them after my image, and look at what they're doing to themselves. I can't stand it no more. I'm going to kill everything. I'm just going to wipe everything out. But the Bible says that Noah found grace. Can I say that again? It says Noah found grace. He found He found a covering of grace. How can we find that covering? How can we find that covering? Oh, I, 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 I'm still trying to figure out how we can find this covering. I'm still trying to figure it out. I hope I might get there near the end of my sermon, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out because somehow Noah found this grace covering. Somehow Noah found this covering of grace when God said, I'm going to kill everything around me. I'm going to kill everything on the earth. Yet I find a man who my grace covering is surrounding him. I can't, I can't wipe him out because he's covered by my grace. I can't take him down with the rest of them. Why? Because there's a covering of grace surrounding him. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so we know the story, many of us do. Noah was told to build an ark, and God, of course, flooded the whole entire earth. The whole entire earth was covered over with water. But Noah and his family were saved because they went onto the ark. And now we come to the scripture where Noah is about to settle on the earth. The flood has rescinded. The waters have gone down, and now the ark is firmly rested, and Noah opens the doors, and he comes out of the ark. And the Bible says that at that point in time, Noah becomes a farmer. King James says husbandman, which is a nice way of saying a farmer. He became a farmer, and the Bible says that Noah planted a vineyard. And when Noah planted this vineyard, he began to produce and harvest the fruit of his farm, the fruit of his labor. We're celebrating Labor Day tomorrow. Many of you may even have that day off. Many of you may even be able to, to take a little breather, a little rest on Labor Day. But, you know, see, see, see when, when they worked so hard, the, the nice thing about Labor Day is that's a day for you to to receive the fruits of your labor and to celebrate the fruits of your labor. And I, I pray for every single one of you here today and every single one of you watching. I pray that your labor day is a blessed day. I pray that your labor day would be such a wonderful day for you to literally celebrate in the bounty of your labor where you can just rest in the provisions of your labor and where you can uh, celebrate and, and do things with your family and, and have a great time all because of all the days you've worked hard. Now you get to take a day off and celebrate. That's what Labor Day was. And here, Noah took a day 
to receive the fruits of his harvest. The Bible says that as he began to celebrate the fruits of his harvest, he got drunk. And when he got drunk, how many know that when you get drunk, you do stupid things? And Noah became naked. Doesn't say how he got naked, it just says that he got naked. And in his nakedness, he fell asleep in his drunken stupor. And there, laying in his tent, he was drunk, naked. And laying there. And the Bible says that his youngest son, Ham, was a great name. I wonder if we can ever find some people named Steak. Although uh, uh, not a good name would be as if your parents named you Chicken. That wouldn't be a very good name at all. Ham might be better than Chicken at least. I mean, I want to be called Chicken <coughs> as your name. But his name was Ham. <laughs> Sorry, just had to add a little, little humor into the message there. His name was Ham. And the Bible says that Ham walked into the tent. And then Ham saw the nakedness of his father. And when Ham saw the nakedness of his father, the Bible says that Ham, if you actually read the Hebrew, this is that he liked what he saw. And Ham came out and even told his brothers about it. I want to teach you guys something today. See, the rise of homosexuality did not begin in modern times. The rise of homo in fact, we see homosexuality in the scriptures. And we find that a tribe very much alive with homosexuality was the Canaanite tribes. And it's no coincidence that Canaan was the son of Ham. Because when Ham walked into that tent and saw the nakedness of his father, he liked what he saw. And then he began to rejoice over what he saw. And he began to tell everybody else what he saw. I'm going someplace today, see, because that's exactly what a lot of Christians are like today. A lot of Christians today are very much like Ham. When we find somebody covered by the grace of God, when they fall and when they do something wrong, we like to do what? Judge. We like to see their failure and then laugh over their failure. Oh, I'm preaching right there. We like to look upon their failure and laugh at their failure, make joke about their failure, and then we want to go and tell everybody else that we can about their failure. Come on, am I helping somebody here today? See, this is what's wrong with the church today. This is why I hear from people all the time in the world that we're living in, I don't want to go to churches too judgmental in church. I don't want to go there. 
Nuh-uh. Church ain't for me. Church ain't for me. One of the saddest stories I read recently was a story about a husband of a wife who, who, who didn't go to church, but one day he decided he would go to church with his wife. And so he was an older man, older gentleman, and he went to church with his wife. And when he got to church that day, he, he had a cup of coffee with him, and, he, and he, was, he, was, he, he brought him into the sanctuary, and he was drinking the coffee, and, and he, he accidentally tripped over his own feet. He was an elderly gentleman, and when he did, of course, he spilled the coffee uh, all, all over the place. And immediately, uh, you know, all the, the women of the church immediately well, you know, began to point their fingers at him, and you should not have brought coffee into the sanctuary. And look at what you did, and how horrible is this? And, and, and what, what, this, this is bad. Now we got to clean all this up. And, 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 and just began to horribly shout down the man. And the man got very discouraged. The man got very ashamed that he, you know, in his elderly age, he couldn't hold on to that coffee cup, and he felt so bad. And so that very night after church, he told his wife, he's like, I'm, I'm going to go out for a little bit. And he, he went out, and he found the bar, and he went into the bar, and, 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 and he just sat there at the bar, and he had a, a, a drink in his hand, and, and he, again, was just kind of upset you know, mentally upset over what was going on, and he went to drink this drink, and, and he accidentally spilt the drink. And when he spilt the drink, the bartender came over and just with a rag just said, "Oh, that's okay, honey. No, no problems. I, I got this. You, you just sit right there. I'll take care of this." And she gently wiped up all the mess that he just made. She took the old glass that he had and, and wiped it all up. And then she even went and poured him a new glass and, and put it down in it. And she said, don't worry about this one's on the house. This one's good to go. Just, I understand these things happen. Don't you worry about a thing. And he felt so good there because even though he made an error, he Failed, yet there was no judgment there at the bar house. And the sad more of that story is from that day on, that man never went back into the church. But he quite often frequented that bar right around the corner. You see, the way we treat people, the way that we handle things, God is not calling the church to be the judge and jury, but he's calling the church to be the people of God. He's calling the church to be the place where love transcends. Because the Bible says in the book of 1 Peter, love covers a multitude of sins. I want to show you something in this story. Because here, Noah found himself drunk and we find the church acting like ham in many cases. But Noah had two other sons, Shem and Japheth. And the Bible says that while Ham was making a mockery of his father, Shem and Japheth decided to do something different. And so what they did was they took a blanket and they had another man. And between the two of them, come here, my brother, 
Come here. They had, and between the two of them, they had the blankets. And, they, and here was Noah lying in the tent, naked and drunk. And, and Shem and Japheth decided, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the blanket and we're going to put it over our shoulders. And we're going to hold it on our shoulders like this. And we're going to walk backwards in unison. So we don't see the nakedness of the man of God. So we don't see the failure of the man of God. So we don't see the error of the man of God. We're going to walk backwards. And once we get to where he is, we're going to, without seeing a thing, or looking down upon him, or looking negatively on him, we're just going to cover the man of God with the grace covering. Hallelujah. It's somebody here what I'm preaching about this morning. Because why? The church of Jesus Christ. Is called to cover over the sins of the one who has fallen, to cover over the sins of the one who has erred. James chapter 5. In James chapter 5. In James chapter 5, he says this. Oh, I want you to catch this. He says. Brethren, in verse 19 of James 5, he says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, in other words, if you make a mistake, if you make a failure in life, if you somehow, if you somehow do something wrong, or if you err, or, and you're no longer in the truth, he says, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one of you converts him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide. In other words, shall cover over, shall hide, shall cover over a multitude of sins. Hallelujah. That is what the church is called to be. It's called to be the ones who cover over a multitude of sins. But again, I keep finding, I keep trying to find this grace covering. How did Shem and Japheth find that grace covering? How did they find it in order to cover the man of God? I, I got to find this grace covering. I'm not sure where to find this grace covering. I know I have access to it by faith. Romans 5 told me that, but I got to somehow find this grace covering. I don't know how to find it. I don't know how to, how to receive it. I have access to it, but I don't know how to find it. How, how can I find this grace covering? Because I, I need this grace covering. Is there anybody in the house of God that needs this grace covering? Is there anybody in the house of God that whenever you do something wrong, you would love to find that grace covering to cover over you? That when your children do something wrong, you would love to find that grace covering in order to cover over your children with grace. In order to cover over your lost loved ones with grace. I, I need to find this grace covering. I got to find access to it, but I got to find it now. It's got to find. I got to find where this is. I got to find uh, this covering of grace, this, this grace blanket, so to speak, so I can, I, I can have it and I can cover over myself and cover over someone else. I gotta find it. How, how do I find it? How do I find it? I got to find this grace covering. <laughs> I believe Shem and Japheth found it. They found it. Because they realized, see, they realized something. 
they realized something. Are you ready? Shem realized I can't cover by myself. I gotta, I gotta have JPEG with me. I, I, I can't cover by myself. I gotta have J. We, we, we have to do the covering together. We have to cover the Father together. We gotta cover the Father together. It's gonna require both of us. And you see, just like that, the grace covering of the Father requires two people to give it to you. Oh, y'all, y'all ain't with me yet. Y'all, I think you need to back up a little bit because y'all, 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 y'all ain't with me yet. You see, you see, the grace covering requires two people. It, it, it requires two, two, two persons in order to bring the grace covering because you see, the Bible also says that God cannot see sin. See, God is not like Ham. God does not look over your sin and mock at you. God does not look over you and say, ha, 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 you just fell, you dummy. Aren't you glad? Is there somebody in the house of God that's glad God doesn't do that to you? God doesn't look at you and say, you good-for-nothing scumbucket. No, God, see, God is holy. And because he's holy, the Bible says that he cannot see. In fact, do you know that the Bible even says that when all the sin of the world was placed upon Jesus Christ, God, Jesus' own father, could not look at his own son. The Bible says that God literally turned his face from his own son and turned his back on him. Why? Because even God the Father, he cannot look. It doesn't matter if it was his own son. He cannot look at sin. Come on, is somebody hearing me today? God said, I, I, I can't look at this. But does that mean that God gave up on his son? When God turned his face and God turned his back and God no longer looked at his own son who was dying on the cross, does that mean that God said, okay, I, I'm done with this man. Now he has sin on his life. So because he has sin all over him, I can't, I can't help him. I can't do nothing for him. I know he's my son, but he's, he's too far gone. I know he's my son, but there's too much sin on him. I, I can't do nothing about this now. He's just gone and done in my life. No, God, even though he had his back turned to his son, God said, I'm about to put a grace covering over my son. I'm about to, even on my even when I'm not looking at I'm about to pour out my grace and so my son is going to be covered over by my grace and by my grace he is going to stand and be the one to pour grace upon everyone else Shem and Japheth figured it out they figured out the grace covering there was two of them two of them how did they find this grace covering? How did they figure this out? I want to tell you right now in heaven, there's two. That every time you fall, and every time you lie there naked, and the devil, the man, Ham, 
whenever he comes, every, the, every time those people are under the spirit of Ham, under the, 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 that, that spirit of Ham that wants to judge you and mock you, every single time that evil spirit creeps up around you and they begin to mock at you and laugh at you because of your failures, because of your faults, because of your disappointments, because of your struggles, because of your conflicts. Every single time you do and then the spirit of ham comes on people around you and they mock at you and they laugh at you. God says, I got two folks just for you. I got two folks. I got two persons. And these two persons they're going to hold that grace covering. They're going to hold that grace covering. Look again in our key chapter of Romans chapter 5, because I've got to find out who these two people are. I've got to find out, because the only way I'm going to find this grace covering is if I find out who's holding the grace covering. Come on now. See, I may have access to the grace covering by faith, but I still got to find out who's holding that grace covering. Because somebody's got to hold it in order to put it over me. Somebody's got to hold it. I got to find these two people. Who are these two people holding the grace covering? I got to find them. I got to figure out who they are. In Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, it says, oh, I want to look at this, I want to look at this, look at this. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, verse 3, knowing that tribulation works patience, patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope makes us not ashamed. How could I not be ashamed if I'm living in tribulation? How could I not be ashamed if I'm living in trial? How could I not be ashamed if I'm living in struggle? How could I not be ashamed if I'm lying there naked? on the ground in my failures and my faults. How could I not be ashamed? And the Bible says, because hope makes you not ashamed. So, where's the hope? Where's the hope? How do I find this hope? Where, where do I get this hope? Where's this hope from? He says, because somebody say because. See, that's always a great word in Scripture. It means, because, it means that something is not going to come as a result of what you just read. It means something is coming because of what you just read. Hallelujah. He says, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It's shed abroad. In other words, it's literally shed like a blanket over you. It's shed over you. I was at a person's house the other day. And they had a big dog. And the dog came out to greet us. And the dog began to do what dogs do. And they began to rub against you. Come on, somebody. And every time dogs rub against you, you get something on you. See, I got fur all over me. And I don't know if this was shedding season or if this was just ha-ha, Pastor Nathan wore black, what an idiot. And he's a white dog. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the color of his pants. But the dog got this fur all over my pants, changed the color of my pants. I had black pants going in, I had white pants coming out. See, I, I got covered that day. It was not even the covering I was expecting, but I got the covering anyways. 
they had the covering. And he said right here, because the love of God is shed. See, when something gets shed, that means it, it covers you. It covers you. Because the love of God is shed abroad. Who is it that covers me with the love? Who is it that covers me with God's love? Who is it that covers over me every time I fail, every time I sin, every time I, every time I lie in judgment, every time the enemy's mocking at me, laughing at me, every single time the devil likes to say to me, you ain't worthy, you ain't good enough, you, you, you failed here, you're bad here. Every time, I, every time I feel like nobody in the world loves me, every time I feel like everyone else hates me, yet God's love sheds the ball over my life and he covers over my life. Who is this that covers me with God's love? It is none other than the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the living God. He holds the blanket. He holds the grace covering and he says I will cover you with God's love. Hallelujah. Oh, how we need the Holy Ghost. Oh, how we need the Holy Ghost. Oh, but see, there's somebody else. Remember, we have to have two people. There was Shem and Japheth who, who held the grace covering for Noah. There was two people. I now know the one. I need the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I need the Holy Spirit. I need to constantly pray, Holy Spirit, I need you today. I need your power and presence in my life. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need your fire again in my life. I need your anointing in my life. I need a fresh outflow of your goodness and grace in my life. Shed abroad God's love over me and cover me with God's love. I need the Holy Ghost, but yet there's somebody else. There's somebody else. Who's the other person? Who, who is this? Because I got, I, I, I got to know who holds the grace covering if I am to receive the grace covering. I got to know who holds it. The Holy Spirit's one of them, but there's another one. Who's the other one? He says in verse number six, for when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Ooh. Because God commendeth his love, in verse 8, toward us. See, now here's somebody else holding that love covering, that grace covering. By the way, can I tell you something? something? The word love here that we find in Romans chapter 5 is actually the word charis, which means grace. So when he says that the love of God is shed abroad, he's talking about the grace of God. The grace of God is shed abroad in my life. When he says that God commends his love towards us, he's talking about his grace. God commends his grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. He commanded his grace to come over us. So we know that, that, that the Holy Ghost holds one half of the grace. But now look who holds the other half. He says, God commands his grace, his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ. Why the Holy Ghost holds the one hand, the one corner of the grace covering. Jesus Christ holds the other corner. Hallelujah. I want to show you how the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ works together. Because together they both hold the grace of God. And together with the grace of God, they come backwards and they begin to cover you with God's grace. So what do I need to do? Look at this verse number 9. 
so much more than being now justified by his blood. We should be saved from wrath through him. Being justified by his blood. Being justified by his blood. Being justified by his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. Can I say to you today that if the blood of Jesus Christ was not shed, then the release of the Holy Ghost would not be given. If the blood was not shed, then the death of Jesus Christ would not be given. If the was no blood then there would be no holy ghost and son jesus in order to hold that grace covering in order to put it over you but praise be to god by the blood of jesus christ we now know the holy ghost we now know jesus christ and we have jesus living in our hearts the holy ghost living in our hearts and by them too god's grace covers you. Well, I hope somebody's learning something here today because I know I am. By the blood. By the blood. You see, we hear so many times preachers preach about the blood covering. But I came by to let you know the blood covering ain't nothing more than God's grace covering. The blood covering is nothing more than God's grace covering. Because how can I receive? I know I have access to it. I have access to this grace covering by faith. I have access to it by faith. But now how do I receive it? See, Noah, can I tell you the story? Noah, even before he found himself drunk and lying naked on the floor, the Bible already said he was a man who found grace in the eyes of God. The grace covering was already his. Noah already had access to the grace covering. He received the grace covering while in the ark. He received the grace covering while building his farm and, and the farm producing all of its bounty and harvest. He had the grace. He was a man who found grace. He had access to that grace. But yet, when he found himself lying naked on the floor and somebody standing over him, mocking him, scoffing him, making fun of him, pointing out his failures to everyone around him. When Noah found himself there, he needed, he needed to find that, that, that covering that had to be applied to him. See, he was a man who had access to the covering, but the covering wasn't applied. Y'all ain't catching what I'm saying. See, he had access to the covering. He had the ark. He had, I, mean, I mean, he was definitely a man covered by grace so many times in his past. But now, in the time of his failure, in the time of his judgment, he needed the covering to be applied. 
he needed somebody to apply that covering to him. Oh, church, today, yes, when you are saved through Jesus Christ, you have the covering, the grace covering. God has even right now already spoken over every single one of you here in this place. And he's even to most of you, all of you watching me by camera. He's right now speaking over you and he's saying, listen, I've, you are a man or woman that has found grace in my sight. You have access to this grace. You have access by faith. If you just believe in me, you have access to this grace covering. If you believe in me, you, will, you, you can have this grace covering. If you believe in me, every single time you fail, you can be covered by grace. If you believe in me every single time, just have faith in me. Believe in me. Come to know me personally. By faith, you can have access to this, but you still need the application. Just because you have access to it doesn't mean you know how to get it on you. See, I, every single morning, I open up my closet door. I have access to my clothes. But until I pick the clothes out, and I put them on my body. Those clothes sitting in the closet ain't applied to me. They might be mine, and I have access to them, but doesn't mean those clothes are covering me. All the clothes in my closet don't cover me with a lick sitting in my closet. When I'm cold, my wife keeps a blanket for me in the living room because she keeps her house at like 45 degrees every single day. I'm just kidding. She does not. I'm just, I'm joking. I'm joking. She does, she does keep it at 50, though, every day. But, no, but, um, <clears throat> but she, she, so she keeps a blanket sitting over my chair on the, you know, backside of my chair, you know, the, the, the back piece, blanket. I have access to my blanket. So when I'm sitting there on my chair, I have access to it. And yet so many times when I sit there, I turn to my wife, and she's the next man, and I say, honey, it's cold in here. I'm cold. See, and my wife says something very, very smart to me. She says, you have a blanket right there. Yeah. Yeah. I say, can you turn on the air conditioner? No, you got a blanket right there. If you're cold, you have access to the blanket. Get the blanket. Put the blanket on you. Apply the covering. Just because you have access, it doesn't mean it's applied. You got to apply the covering. Hallelujah. We have access to the covering. We have access to the grace of God. We have access to the grace of Jesus Christ. But now we got to apply. See, the Holy Ghost is ours. And he lives inside. He says, I, I got one corner of the blanket for you. Jesus on the other side says, I got the other side of the corner for you. We can apply the blanket. If you would just call out to me, call out for the application of the blanket, call out for the application of the covering. How, church, can we call out for the application of the covering of grace? It is none other than by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because you see, the blood. Oh, I, I know it's time, but I got to give one more, one more thought process here and I'll be done. 
the blood speaks. Cain and Abel. We, know, we might know the story. Abel gave God a good offering tie. A Cain gave God a eh, kind of offering. Eh, I'll give God a little bit here. I'll give God, oh, this is a good preaching right here. I'll give God some of my tithes, but you know, this is going to be a tough week for me, God, so I'm just going to give you some of my tithes. I know, God, I really should be giving you 10% of all my income, but you know, that's, that, that's awfully high. That's awfully steep. God, that's, that's kind of going a little, woo. And I, I, need, I need to maybe set around, like, you know, 5% right now. How about I give you 5%? That might work out. 5%. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, you know, God, on, on good days, I'll, I'll, I'll do 7. How's that sound? 7. 7. And that was Cain. Uh, mediocre gift, mediocre. Abel gave him a good, the whole offering. An offering of blood, by the way. Because, see, Abel recognized something. Blood speaks to God. Abel, even from the very beginning, as he was a son of Adam, from the very beginning of time, Abel recognized something. He said, God speaks through blood. The blood somehow connects to God. I'm not sure how, I may not fully understand, but the blood somehow speaks to God. Something about the blood. The blood is alive, the blood is active, the blood is still moving. The blood, so the blood is what's going to speak to God. So Abel gave a blood offering, Cain gave a fruit offering. And we all know the Bible story, right? The Bible story says that Cain, that when God looked upon Abel's offering with joy, and he looked upon Cain's offering with, eh, Cain got mad. Cain got jealous. Cain killed his brother Abel. And when he killed his brother Abel, blood spilt. The blood of Abel spilt. And God came and began to talk to Cain. And he said, Cain, where's your brother? I have no clue, God. You tell me where brother is. I don't know. Cain, where's your brother? Am I, am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to know where he is? I don't know. Maybe he went for a joyride or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he went to go ride the horses or something. I don't know. <clears throat> Cain? I hear something. Can I tell you what I hear, Cain? I'm all up in heaven. You're on earth, but I, I, I hear something. I hear the blood. I hear the blood. I hear the blood. I hear the blood. See, I, I, I maybe didn't hear your sin when you killed your brother, but I'm hearing the blood. I maybe didn't hear the screams when your brother was dying on the ground, but I hear the blood. I maybe didn't hear your disappointment, but I'm hearing the blood. I hear the blood. I hear the blood. God hears the blood. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, when Jesus Christ shed his blood, and by the Holy Ghost, that blood is being shed abroad. By the Holy Ghost, that blood is being applied to your life. Through Jesus Christ, the blood can be applied. The covenant can be applied. Yet God said, I hear 
hear the blood. And so now, because I hear the blood, every time you call out through the blood, I will hear you. See, that's why. Can I preach a little bit longer? That's why, church, come on. When you, when you find yourself being in that place where you're about to make that, that mistake and you're about to be thrown under, you're about to, the nakedness of your ways, the nakedness of your, of your issues, the nakedness of your tribulations is about to be exposed and people are about to see your nakedness, people are about to see your errors, your trials. That's when you need to lay there and call out, Oh, God, let your blood cover me. Oh, God, I need the blood of Jesus. I need the blood of Jesus. Oh, I need the blood. I need the blood of Jesus to cover me. I need, see, that's, that, that's called the grace covering. That's the blood covering. When you call out the blood. God. By the blood, cover me. God, by the blood of Jesus, sanctify me. God, by the blood of Jesus, justify me. When everyone else is judging you, the blood justifies you. Oh, to call out for the blood. Stand with me in this place. I got to quit. Being justified by his blood. 